In the name of God, amen. Good morning, St. Stephen's. For those of you I've not had a chance to greet personally, my name is Marianne, and I have the great honor of serving as the bishop of this diocese and worshiping with you today on All Saints Day and on Byron's Baptism Day, and I feel blessed indeed. Hear the words, a poem from the first African-American woman to be ordained in the Episcopal Church, Polly Murray. Freedom is a dream haunting as amber wine. I was an Israelite walking a sea bottom. I was a Negro slave following the North Star. I was an immigrant huddled in ship's belly. I was a Mormon searching for a temple. I was a refugee clogging roads to nowhere. Always the dream was the same. Always the dream was freedom. So yesterday at the end of a day of pilgrimage along a trail of souls, that had taken a hundred or so of us through most of the state of Maryland, we were gathered at the Claggett Retreat Center of the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland. Our pilgrimage was in commemoration of the 150th anniversary, yesterday, of the end of chattel slavery in the state of Maryland. We had visited Episcopal churches built by slaves, We visited churches with recorded records. We saw the records of slaves being baptized, their names recorded alongside their owners' names. We visited churches with balconies built as slave seating. Churches with the remains of Confederate soldiers who died in the feudal attack on Washington, D.C., that nonetheless devastated the community of Silver Spring. So all day I was trying to imagine being alive, a resident of the state of Maryland 150 years ago. Imagine gathering in church, this church, 150 years ago, the day after slaves had been set free by a constitutional amendment taking effect on November 1st, voted on by the states of Maryland, passing by the slimmest of margins. If it hadn't been for the Union soldiers voting from the fields and their ballots counted afterwards, the amendment would have been defeated. An amendment and a change met with forces of resistance as great as any we have seen in our day in response to the social change we seek to bring about now. Imagine yourself a slave. Imagine yourself a slave owner. Imagine yourself as a point of respite on the Underground Railroad, and then try to imagine what it would be like from that place to project yourself forward 150 years in the future when an African-American would preside as Bishop of the State of Maryland, Diocese of Maryland, and at a service, that service yesterday, 
on the former property of a Maryland slave owner, now a conference center named for the first bishop of Maryland who himself owned slaves. I was thinking about this line from the second reading we heard, Beloved, we are children, God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. I was an Israelite. I was a Negro slave. I was an immigrant. I was a refugee. Always the dream was the same. Bishop Eugene Sutton, speaking yesterday, spoke of the first time he had come to the Claggett Center as a bishop. He was leading a retreat. And at the retreat's end, he was tired and he went for a walk. His, he was intending to find a bit of respite along the Monocacy River, which sort of circles around the, the property. And it was a hot and dusty summer day, he said. The trail to the river beckoned, but when he came to the T in the trail, he saw a sign with arrows pointing in two directions, the Monocacy River to the right, a slave burial site to the left. And he said he stopped at the sign for a moment, genuinely torn, because on the right he knew he would find the refreshment he sought, and on the left he would be challenged and reminded once again of great pain and struggle. But he turned, as he knew he must, toward the slave burial site, and there he prayed at the site of an unnamed slave of African descent. And he said he found himself weeping there and saying not only to this man, but to his own unknown ancestors who had worked this land as slaves, it was not in vain. And he said to us, the lesson he learned that day is that sometimes blessing comes when we choose the path of pain. Blessing comes sometimes in surprising packages. We commonly, typically, and understandably think of blessing in terms of good fortune and even good luck. When we feel blessed by those good things that come to us unexpectedly as a gift, and, and we are blessed by them, those are indeed blessings, but spiritually, blessing runs much deeper than luck or fortune, in that even hardship and struggle and pain can be vehicles of blessings. We know that. Now, they themselves are not the blessing, but through them, by the grace of God and the choices we make, blessing comes. I think that's what Jesus meant when he spoke his words of blessing to the poor, the poor in spirit, the grieving, the persecuted, and those who struggled for what was right. He means to encourage all of us in our trials so that we don't lose heart when life feels anything but blessed. 
He can never promise us a world without pain and a life without struggling. That's not what being blessed means. But he can and does help us receive blessing through the struggles we face. Blessing comes in surprising packages. When we choose the path of struggle, when we accept what life gives us and rise. Years ago in the parish I served as a rector, we uh, did this year-long faith exploration series called Faith in the First Person. Faith, in other words, as real people live it. And among other things we did that year was read several memoirs, stories of people whose lives had been marked by challenge and hardship and yet had something inspirational to teach. And my favorite, I have to say, was uh, the book The Color of Water by James McBride. Maybe some of you have read that. It's really a tribute to his mother, Ruth Jordan McBride, the daughter of an Orthodox rabbi who married a black man in 1942 and with him raised, with him and without him, raised 12 children, sending all of them to college. And as her son told it, hers was a harsh and defiant life. And from McBride's account, growing up as her eighth child in a household with never enough food or mattresses to go around, well, he had more of his share of hardship too. But his mother instilled in all 12 of them courage, self-reliance, a love of education, and faith in God. But when his stepfather died, and at the height of the drug-saturated Black Power Rebellion of his late adolescence, he walked away from all of that and rejected all his mother tried to teach him, and he sought refuge in the hard-scrabble community of older Black men who congregated in pool halls and garage station parking lots. And to, his, to their credit, those men knew that he didn't belong there that he was a fist fight or a drug bust away from throwing his life into the trash, a life that had long since been denied them. And so when he had a couple of close wake-up calls, they kicked him out of there. And he eventually found his way back to his mom's house. And from there, he found his own path, one that he could walk that he alone could walk. And in one particularly haunting passage, he writes about the time as a kid when he desperately wanted his family to be one color, one race, or the other. I didn't want to be white, he said. I wanted my mother to be black. And you know, how many of us have railed against the families we were born into? or at one time or another secretly wished we were born into somebody else's. But as a grown man, McBride now writes about the blessing of his life, hard as it was growing up into it, and he's grateful for the things he once wished away. The blessing came having lived through the trials 
and prevailing. I feel privileged now to come from the two worlds I worked so hard to reject. I feel privileged. My view of the world isn't that of a black man, but a black man with a white mother and something of a Jewish soul. For my money, those are the kinds of stories that inspire. Those of real people who find their, in there and face their, their particular demons, their unfair circumstances, their extraordinary challenges, and rise and find blessing. We all need that. We need the encouragement we can give one another so that we can live our own lives with all their travail and live into blessing that is ours alone. And what we learn in our own stories and everyone else's stories is that everything's all mixed up together, good and bad, failure and triumph, loss and learning, poverty, riches, sorrow and joy. And when we can hold all of that and still know that we're blessed, we can face anything. We can give thanks for the people who have formed us in spite of, maybe even because of the ways they hurt us too. That the hurt too became a a channel of blessing later. And that, my friends, I believe, is the impulse, the spiritual impulse, or at least one of them, behind this day, All Saints Sunday. That not all saintliness comes in saintly clothing, and even the most ordinary of us can be instruments of grace. Um, I'm important for you to know that in the New Testament the word saint, which is used a lot, never is never used to describe like the super Christians the way we think of it now they're just everybody you know, Paul, he wrote his letters to the saints in Corinth, to the saints in Ephesus it was everybody as if to say this is what we all are that we all have a role to play in cultivating a blessed life for ourselves and others. Now to do that, we have to show up for our lives. We have to show up, be present fully to ourselves and to one another as best we can. And there will be times when that showing up means leaning on the love that others have to hold us up. And there are times when our part is to offer that love for someone else. And that is no small thing, to be that instrument of blessing. But our showing up gives God something to work with, to bring blessing about. The other role we play in blessing is a bit harder. It's a lot harder. um, Because it has to do with what only human beings can do. We are unique among the species created by God in doing this one thing, which is 
facing what cannot be changed and accepting life in order to transcend life. We are the only species that has the capacity to transform personal tragedy into triumph for ourselves or for someone else, to turn our predicaments and struggle into human achievement. When we're no longer able to change a situation, we can change ourselves. And it is in changing ourselves that the blessing comes because we're allowing God to work transformation in us, making us more of who we are through the crucible of our experiences. One of the pictures that I'll carry with me forever from yesterday is this picture of a woman taken, her name was Louise Logan, was taken of her shortly after that day of emancipation. She was probably, I don't know, 25 or 30, looking formally in the paper, in the, in the picture, very, very, very portraiture in her posture, looking straight at the camera, not smiling, great dignity. And right next to her was, in the picture, was her son. He looked about 12. And according to the, you know, the inscription below, he was fathered by the man who was once her master. And she sent him off to school in the north. And he came back to start a school for young African-American boys and girls freed needing an education. Friends, we don't do this alone. We don't, we don't live into blessing alone. Or maybe I'll say it another way, we don't have to do this alone. We get to do it with one another in spiritual community and in a tradition of Jesus that promises that blessings will prevail no matter what happens. Blessings will have the final day. And today I am privileged to stand with you as a community when we welcome Byron into this tradition, this living path we cannot promise him a life without struggle, but we can assure him that we will be there by his side, and we can attest that through struggles and triumphs that blessing can be trusted, and it will come to him as it has come to us in ways that never cease to amaze us. And through him and all children of his age, we project ourselves one generation ahead and from them another a generation ahead who one day, 150 years from now, will look back on us and they will say, wasn't it amazing that a community of faith all of God's children gathered to promise to do all that they could for one child who would then go on 
to bless and be a blessing. Let it be so.